Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. All right. Hey, everyone. Real quick before the podcast starts, Noah and I recorded this podcast over Skype, and he recorded uh, he recorded the podcast, so that's why on my end it sounds a little bit shaky because I was recorded over the phone. But um, anyways, just wanted to let you guys know it's a heads up, and this is part one of two. I'm splitting the podcast in two, Eastern Conference and Western Conference over and unders. Now let's get back to the NBA pod. Thank you guys for tuning in and enjoy it. Everybody and welcome back to Chris Platty presents uh, Hip Hop and Basketball. This is an NBA podcast, and joining me once again is Noah Lofman to do over and unders. Noah, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. No problem, no problem. Now we talked behind the scenes, and I know this is the one you're very, very excited to do. So I figured I had to have you on this one, right? Like this <laughs> one is totally, totally up your up your alley. I'm not trying to. Uh, encourage people to go to Vegas and gamble, but I will say it is a lot of fun. Well, it's always fun gambling <laughs> other people's money. So Absolutely. All right. There's something so, about gambling that just makes sports more fun. Sports are terrific, but in an 82-game season like the NBA, I completely understand why people gamble and why they believe it's more fun with money and gambling on the line. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's more fun. I mean, especially when you have a season like this season, which – We'll get into a, a whole nother podcast, but it's basically almost a foregone conclusion what's going to happen at the end of the 82 games. So you need something to keep you entertained. So that's why we're here to gamble away your money. Now, we are not responsible for any losses of money, but we will take credit for the gains. So <laughs> if, if you win and you listen to this podcast and you picked it because of us, then you're welcome. If not, uh, you shouldn't have trusted two, <laughs> two college students. All right, well, let's get into it. So how do you how do you pronounce it? Is it the Boveda Vegas odds? I, Vegas odds? Look, I, I'm not positive on this, but I think it's Bovada. Bovada? Okay. It doesn't well, we're matter. going with Bovada. B-O-V-A-D-A. Give credit to them. Yes, give credit to them. Um, so this is their updated odds as of October 12th, which includes some uh, injuries, which we'll get into. So. We're just going to do it conference uh, by conference, and we'll do and we'll do it by divisions. Uh, so we'll start with the Eastern Conference, and uh, let's start with the Southeast Division. Now the Magic were in last place last year. Their over under is give me a second to pull it up here, thirty seven and a half. Ooh. Now Noah, are you taking the over or under on this Magic squad? Well, let's keep in mind they won thirty five last year, and. They added a few nice pieces to to their team this year with Serge Ibaka, and they got really big. Unfortunately, I am going to bet the under on this one, and a lot of that has to do with how high I am on the rest of the Eastern Conference, and we'll obviously get to that when we get to those teams. I just, I'm looking at this Magic depth chart, and I, I don't really see more than 35 wins on it. I, I love Frank Vogel. And I think if there's any coach who can figure out a way to make this very slow big team work in 2016, it could it probably is Frank Vogel. But in a very competitive Eastern Conference where I think every single team except the Nets and the Sixers and probably the Magic are eligible for a playoff seed, I'm going to bet the under. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and uh, you'll see this as the podcast uh, continues to go on. That I'm kind of uh, I believe there's going to be a lot of mediocre mediocrity in terms of 30, 40 wins, especially in the Eastern Conference. Um, so I'm going to go slightly under. Uh, I don't have a specific number, but I would expect 35 to 37, uh, maybe even as low as 33 if things don't work out. But yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean they they won how many games last year? Was 35. it 35? 35 and even with 35 games they added Serge Ibaka, Biombo. They they have a real nice front court line. The problem is they have too much depth up there and they don't have enough in the back court. And so um so really I'm I'm just and I I'm very high on Frank Vogel as are you. You said you said that um I love Frank Vogel and I think you're right. I think if anyone can get them over that uh I mean kind of like how Rick Carlisle does with Dallas. That's how high I am on Frank Vogel. Uh so I'm going to go slightly under. I'm just just not sold on the on the backcourt depth, and I think that there's too much of a logjam at the frontcourt. Uh, but, you know, maybe they could make some trades and change things around. Interesting tidbit about the Magic. They went 12-29 and 29 on the road last year and 23-18 and 18 at home. So this team was a disaster outside of the Orlando arena, and in the division, they went 4-12. and 12. So they can't win on the road. They can't win in that division. Look, if they can figure out how to get some more roadies this year, then I could see that possibly be them, you know, maybe getting 38, 39 wins. But as I said it before, I think this Eastern Conference is better as a collective unit than they were last year. I agree. I agree 100%. So let's go next up. So, again, we're just going – we're starting with the conference and we're going division by division, bottom up to each division. So – uh, in fourth place, or, or, so last year the Hornets, the Hornets, or sorry, the Wizards. The Wizards now, they're very interesting because of how strange of a season they had last year with injuries and all that. They're projected all the way at 42.5. Noah, are you taking the over or the under? Well, this this is very close. This is one of the like one of the toughest ones. Because I think the Washington Wizards get in the playoffs. I really do. I think they get that last seed in the Eastern Conference. They went 41-41 and 41 last year, and they were bombarded with injuries. So if I'm looking at this team healthy with a better head coach, I think Scott Brooks is, uh, is a better coach than Randy Whitman by far. So they have the coaching edge from last year. And I would probably give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're going to have less injuries and less crises in that regard. 42 and a half is a lot because I can kind of see the eighth seed being 42 and 40, but I'm going to say over. I'm going to say just slightly over. I see this team getting 43, 44 wins and sliding in uh, to take that final spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Once again, I agree with you. Um, I'm taking the over as well slightly just because, again, the fact that they managed to get so many wins last year despite all those injuries. Uh, I will say, though, that it does seem like kind of a volatile situation in Washington. I mean, there's the reports between John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, there's, all the, there's all the problems with the front court that they have. And so, I don't know. They're, they're kind of a very weird team, but um, I like them. I like Marquise Morris with them, yeah. even though he didn't, he didn't exactly fit perfectly last year I think under with a full training camp and everything he'll acclimate himself much better I just think he's a really good basketball player and one you want to have in today's NBA so um I'm very high on the Wizards I think they're going to go slightly over and I agree with you I think they're going to snag a playoff spot this this year because I I do believe Scott Brooks is also a, a nice update especially for a point guard like John Wall that'll be a fun pairing to watch yeah, no doubt about it. I think people forget how great John Wall is. When you're a superstar and you fall out of the playoffs, people just forget who you are. And I think this is going to be a great bounce-back year for John Wall. He'll probably have similar numbers to last year, uh, but people will start thinking differently and remembering how great he is because they'll start winning more games. I I agree with that. I mean, Anthony Davis is another prime oh, example yeah. of that. <laughs> but um, let's okay, so let's get let's get to Miami next. Okay, right. so Miami all right, their over-under is 34.5. Now, there's a report that came out today that Chris Bosh doesn't plan on playing the whole year. And I think I think this one's an easy under, don't you? It kills me to say it, but 
They lost given Lu- given that statement. Yeah, absolutely. They given lost, the Bosch. They lost Lou Aldang. He's on the Lakers now. He was a very important piece to that team in the past couple years. Obviously, Wade is gone and Bosch. So you're looking at a starting lineup of Dragic, Dion Waiters, Justice Winslow, Hassan Whiteside, and I don't know James Johnson. It's I I don't even I. It kills me to say it because I love the Heat organization. I love Eric Spolstra, and for like our whole lives, Chris, they've been so great. Like ever since we started watching basketball, the Heat have never been an organization or a franchise where you're like, "Yep, bottom tier, twenty five wins." But this is this is the rebuilding process, and it starts now. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to say under. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I agree with the under. I think the under is a safe. Bosch doesn't play um I I just I'm I don't know and now there's r- trade rumors about Dragic going to uh Sacramento for Rudy Gay I don't know how that makes Miami any better that in makes the short sac- term. I think that makes Sacramento a lot better yeah I I agree with that I think it makes Sacramento a lot better but not to get too much into that analysis because I mean that's just talk but I mean it, especially if that trade happens I think I think you could I think you could see a a revitalized Gordon Dragic in Miami this year. I think uh, him and Whiteside could be nice, and that can get you, tw- I think, 25 to 30 wins, just how dominant those two are if Dragic can kind of regain a step. I don't think he'll get Phoenix Dragic, but I think you can get a step or two above Gordon Dragic, what he was last year. Well, the biggest problem is Justice Winslow, who was terrific last year, don't get me wrong is going to be the best player on the court for so many games of the Miami Heat. I mean, yes, Hassan Whiteside, but in the 2016 modern NBA, guys like Whiteside, you know, tend to become a liability sometimes, especially on offense when you're trying to run, and this team likes to run. I just don't see it. Young teams don't win a lot, and this team's very young, and this is their fall-off year. The expectations are very low. I'm pretty sure Pat Riley if he has a brain, which I know he does, realizes that this is not a normal Miami Heat roster, and I don't think they're expecting much. Yeah, I wouldn't expect much either, unfortunately, Miami fans. I think the biggest thing is you can uh, you can just hope and pray that like things work out with Chris Bosh in the long term. Uh, I think that, that should be Miami's main concern, that and the development and like just watching the development of Justice Winslow. Yes, yes. Uh, Okay, so let's go to let's go to the Hornets now. The Hornets were kind of the surprise team. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but they had, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, no, you might not know the stat offhand, but I heard it the other day, and I heard it a lot throughout the season last year, that they were the, I think they had the second or third best record since All-Star break last year, or, since, yes. or was it since February? That's One of those right. two. And, yeah, so they just kind of uh, caught fire. Now they they did a lot of uh, they did a lot of retooling, losing Jeremy Lin, uh, losing Al Jefferson, you know, uh, bringing in Ramon Sessions. I don't know about that. I'm not high on Ramon Sessions, but uh, they get Michael K. Gilchrist back, which is a huge defensive ace. I don't know how he, how he works with them offensively. Uh, so no, their thirty their over and under is forty two and a half. Now this is a team that made the playoffs a couple years ago. Got out of, or fell out of the playoffs, and then once again stormed into the playoffs and actually played pretty well in the playoffs. So, is this a is this a year where they fall out of the playoffs, or do they kind of build on that success from last year? I think Steve Clifford is a top five coach in the NBA. I think Kemba Walker is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And all that being said, I can't believe that this number is where it's at. They won forty eight games last year. And I, you can't tell me this roster is worse than last year. You lost Al Jefferson. They were more efficient on both ends of the ball last year without Al Jefferson on the court. I think this is a no-brainer, Chris. I'm really saying over. I said Washington's going to get the eight seed. I think Charlotte's a shoe-in for the seven or six, and which means if I said Washington's going to get 44, that means Charlotte has to get 45 or 46. So yeah. I like Kemba. I like Steve Clifford, another team that – I'm not sure what this is worth, but went 30 and 11 at home last year and 18 and 23 on the road. So they can win at home and you have to expect with this, you know, young team being another year older with this same coaching staff, they'll be they'll get better on the road and maybe up that win total on the road a bit and probably lose a few home games because 30 and 11 is really absurd. That's like Raptors Cavs uh, standards from last year. 
I, I, I just don't see how this team is... They're not going to win 48 games again. That that was like a fluke. But they're a 45-win team, no doubt. Okay. Now, see, I'm going to go slightly under. I'm going to go the 42-40 to 40 range. Uh, just barely. I'm taking, I'm taking kind of the cheap way out. But... Um, I just, I don't know, it, this team just, even last year, I just kind of never bought into them. I think they're a good regular season team, so I think they can, I think they're kind of like Atlanta, who we'll get to next, right? That team that just, like, always is good in the regular season, I feel like. I feel like that's kind of what Charlotte is. But I I don't know, I just, I'm, I like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, but I don't know how he fits and if he can stay healthy. Uh, Nicholas Batum, I'm not sure of his health as well. Um, so if you lose either of those two again, I can totally see this team falling under. And yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Al Jefferson thing. He wasn't that great of a fit for them. Uh, he didn't work out, and uh, they actually played very well with Cody Zeller in and Frank Kaminsky in. But I just I don't know. I I don't know about this team. I think Steve Clifford is a great coach. So I think he'll get him he'll get him to at least forty. But forty to forty two is my guess. So I'm taking the slight under on Charlotte. I just like I just like to give I give the benefit of the doubt to teams who have closeout superstar caliber players like Kemba Walker, right. John Wall, and those guys alone win you those close games. And I can't imagine this year we you know we're sitting here in April of 2017 with this team not being in the playoffs. And I think the Eastern Conference is really good, where you're going to need to win about 42 to 44 wins to even get there. That's that's my thought process there. Okay, I'm I'm with. I'm with that. I see where you're coming from, but uh, I'm just gonna take the slight under just because I'm not. I I just think I'm not as high on you and uh, as high as you are on this team. Uh, so the last team in the division, Atlanta Hawks, forty three point five. Uh, no, this seems pretty low. This seems very low. <laughs> is this a is this a safe over or not? Because there's a lot of teams. Uh, Zach Lowe talked about in his, his most recent podcast. They could be a team that goes for 50 wins, or they could be a 30-win team. I mean, do you see that? I, I kind of see them as a safe 40-50 to 50 win team. Can I say neither? I think this team is 38-41 to 41 wins. Look, really? I, I think people people fall in love with coaches in the NBA. They like Good coaches, easy to fall in love with them. And, oh, Budenholzer was coach of the year. And I'm not taking anything away from Bud. I think he's a terrific coach, just like I said Steve Clifford's a terrific coach difference between the two Steve Clifford has an all-star on his team Steve Clifford has a closeout guy who can hit clutch shots on his team who does Bud have this year Schroeder Schre- I mean Paul Millsap Schre- Paul Millsap Mils- was great last year is Mills so Millsap's the closeout guy I mean I just yeah I mean I mean it was kind of Teague but I think I think Schroeder and I don't know again that that plays into your point I don't know about Schroeder being a closeout guy I think he would be he would be one of the guys to take the last shot. Uh, but you also have shooters like Corver, who I expect will have a bounce back year. I mean, this guy is, a, I mean, he's one of the best shooters of all time, for Christ's sakes. And he had he had just an awful year. I don't expect that trend to, uh, I don't expect that trend to continue. I expect him to get back to his, his average, the law of average, if you will. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just like, I think, I think Charlotte and Atlanta are very, very comparable. Uh, they're both kind of are very system oriented uh ball movement teams. I just I like Atlanta's pieces a little bit more, if that makes sense. Well, a lot of it just depends on if you think Dwight Howard will be a complete bust or not. And it worries me that literally every coach this guy has had ever and every team he's played for ever in the NBA, he has completely turned upside down, caused a complete mess out of the coach and the team in the locker room and burns burns out the clubhouse. And I don't think that's going to happen this year because Atlanta has a great culture. The coaching staff's much different than that Los Angeles and Houston and even Orlando coaching staff and the personalities there. But that's not to say that this guy's going to have a positive attitude all the time. That's not to say that this guy is on the decline. And they don't have much depth at his position. I like Millsap. I like Corver. Not a big Schroeder fan, but in an Eastern Conference where I'm high on most teams, I'm going to have to bet the under with these guys. Wow. I think they're a safe over. I just think, I just think, here's, you make a very good point about Dwight Howard and all of his uh, things. But yeah, that, 
years. You see it after multiple years. He kind of wears out an organization uh, in most cases. And uh, and you do bring up another good point about his like durability and him getting older. I just I don't know. I'm not expecting a quote unquote like bounce back year from Dwight, but I am expecting Dwight to be kind of re-energized and reinvigorated, and hopefully just uh, just have a little extra step in him. And uh, I I don't know. I think I think this team is a safe safe team. I think Atlanta's just a team that you can. You, I mean, you talk about Miami being a team all our childhood that was great. Uh, look at look at Atlanta. I mean, they've been consistently in the playoffs, consistently good to to great in the regular season, right? So I, I'm taking Atlanta for the over. And you could absolutely be right, but I'm just I'm I'm higher on younger teams with all star caliber players, and in other years with a weaker Eastern Conference, I would say for sure. But I think wins are going to be hard to get this season. I think a lot harder than three years ago in the Eastern Conference. And younger teams, faster teams, teams that have all-star caliber closeout guys, I'm I'm going to take over teams like the Hawks. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll, all right. So let's get let's get to it. The Atlantic Division. Now this one's this one's going to be fun. So we'll start with 76ers. So Philly. With Ben Simmons, their over-under is 24-and-a-half. Yeah. Okay, so with the Ben Simmons injury. Now, the Ben Simmons injury is tricky because he was originally diagnosed three months, and now he's been diagnosed, or not diagnosed, but it's been reported that he could miss the entire season just because, you know, that's how Philly operates. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be a first overall pick in Philly without missing without the whole missing rookie a, season. Yeah, without missing your whole rookie season. I mean that's kind of the criteria of being a Philly, uh, a Philly seventy sixer at this point. So twenty twenty four and a half. Now, interestingly enough, this is the same as the Lakers, and it's not the lowest. We'll get into that later. But um, Philly, are are you taking the over or the under with Philly? Under without a doubt, because I I think if this team wins twenty games, that's a, that's an accomplishment for them. They won ten games last year. I mean, they win twenty games, it's doubling their win total. We talk about wins being hard to come by. I, how is this team, this super, super young team that couldn't win at all last year, going to suddenly win 25 games without Ben Simmons? With they, a, must be, they must be really high on a guy with, a, with like, how many times he broke his foot? Two or three times, yeah, Joel right. Embiid? <laughs> and, yeah, and so, I'm I mean, high on Joel, and I think a lot of these players are going to have really nice seasons. I think Saric will be great. I think Okafor could maybe do some things, some nice things this year. I like their pieces, but they're just way too young. I've never been a fan of their roster construction. I think they're really, really weak in their backcourt, and I think there's, this is a no-brainer. Like I, I don't think I'm more, sh- I don't think I'm more sure of a pick on on this podcast than picking the Philadelphia 76ers to win less than 24 and a half games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Uh, I agree. I agree. Philly is probably one of the safest. This is probably one of the safest bets ever. So if you're one of those people who's just getting your toes into gambling, take the under on Philly. Because uh, I mean, expecting them to get more, more than double their wins from last year, when a team that's pretty much the same minus uh, or plus the addition of a point guard, uh, an okay point guard at best. And uh, and a little bit in the backcourt, you know. I, I don't know. That's just way too much for me. Uh, that's just way too much of a jump. Uh, so let's get to Brooklyn, the other team that's that's actually slated under Philadelphia, and this is the lowest uh, projected win total. Uh, Brooklyn's over under is twenty and a half. Now they did add Jeremy Lin, and um, they still have Brook Lopez, but they lost Thaddeus Young. Uh, Noah. How do you feel about this Brooklyn squad? Are you going over or under? So last year, there were two teams in the NBA that had less than 20 wins. The Lakers and the 76ers. Every year, whether you like it or not, there's always about two teams that aren't going to get to the 20. And it's it's you know it's super hard to say, come on. I mean, look at this roster, Noah. They got Brooke Lopez. They got Jeremy Lin. They got some nice pieces. They can get 21 wins. But every year, there are two teams that don't get 20 wins. I think all the teams in the Western Conference will get 20 wins. I think all the teams in the Eastern Conference, except Philadelphia, will probably get about 20 wins. 
Unfortunately, I think I'm putting the Brooklyn Nets in that category of the teens, okay? They know how bad their team is. I have a feeling because they'd have to be stupid not to. This roster is a joke. Brooke Lopez, yeah, he's awesome. Is he going to be healthy for even half of a season? <laughs> Probably not. Jeremy Lin, people are suddenly like so excited about this guy. He really has never, ever been consistently efficient for his whole career. Their coach, people like Kenny Atkinson. He's a Mike Budenholzer guy. Whatever. This is the NBA. Wins are going to be hard to come by. I keep saying it, but it's true. They're hard to get. The rest of the Eastern Conference got better. The Nets got worse or probably stayed just as bad as they were last year. And they only won 21 games last year. I'm going to bet the under. I'm going to bet the over, and I'm going to bring up a little bit of a sore subject uh, for you, Noah, in doing so. And this isn't intentional. Uh, So I'm going over because I I really love – I'm really high on uh, Brooke Lopez, but I agree. He could end up playing 30 games or even less this year. Like that's just how Brooke Lopez is in terms of his injury history. But – I, I really love their shooting, and I and I like Jeremy Lin with Brooke Lopez. I love that pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop that they would have. Uh, and my whole thing is I think that this team is – I mean, we've seen some terrible teams. Okay, think about the Pistons for years ago when, when they were struggling and winning 33 to 35 games a year. Uh, I mean, and that roster was – that roster was pretty bad. Now, I'm not saying Brooklyn's is better, but I'm saying that the fact that that team can drag out 30 to 35 wins is it's not too much to concede that Brooklyn could get uh, 21 in every four games, essentially. I just, my thought process is this there's got to be two punching bags. Every year, there has to be two punching bags. And maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year where there's not. And if, if, if these two teams, Philly and Brooklyn and the, and the Lakers, actually win high 20s or 30 wins, that's going to cause a major problem with the rest of the league because Golden State and Cleveland will be beating up on everyone, and then the rest of the league is going to virtually be even. You're going to be looking at the playoffs, and it's going to be everyone's about like 44 and 38. And I every year there's just teams that can't figure out how to win. I'm, I'm just... I got a gut feeling that Brooklyn, and it's funny because a few months ago I was kind of high on Brooklyn. I kind of had the same thought process as you. Hey, they can shoot the three ball pretty darn well. I just don't know if that's enough with this ta- lack of talent and inexperience on this roster. Yeah, I mean, it's very fair. I'm not confident about Brooklyn on the over, but uh, I will take them on the slight over. Um, and I do agree with your whole theory that there's got to be at least two teams in the teens. And so uh, we'll, we'll save that for the Western Conference. Spoiler alert. Oh, okay. A uh, uh, little teaser there. All right, so let's go to New York next. Now, New York, this team, okay, now this team people have the most, uh, the, the widest range of opinions on, but I think that they're over under at 385 is this is one of the safer moves. I'm very confident in going under with New York. Even though I think they'll win 36 to 38 ga- or 35 to 38 games. I'm very confident that 38 is their absolute ceiling. I'm with you. And I think it's so funny because a lot of people are really high on this team and they think well, you got Melo and Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah. Mello, and a bunch of other players good in 2K11. Yeah, exactly. And even, like, Mello and Rose, man. Is it safe to say that they're two of the most overrated players in the NBA? Like, I like Mello. I mean, come on. If, if all you care about is points per game, then they're very nice players. But Derek Rose was one of the worst players in the league last year in terms of efficiency. He was, like, right around Kobe Bryant efficiency rating for a lot of the season, and now everyone suddenly thinks this guy is going to be... But he did, he did, I will say this, though. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I will say that he did actually, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've, uh, I know that his numbers did actually improve a lot in the last couple months of the regular season, so you could take that with a grain of salt. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I just ahead. think 
look, New York is a mess. It's an absolute mess. Hornacek, I think, is a pretty good basketball coach, but you're bananas if you think he's going to be the only one trying to control this team. Phil Jackson is going to try and implement a triangle offense with a point guard who absolutely cannot play the triangle offense in Derrick Rose. He even admitted it himself. He said it's confusing. Huge red flag. Carmelo Anthony, I've never been a big fan of him. I, I, I don't think he's a... There's some guys who know how to win. There's some guys who know how to be selfless. Carmelo Anthony doesn't know how to do either of those things. He's a great scorer, and that's where it ends. He's not great on defense. He, uh, he You can tell. Some guys you can just tell by watching games over the years that they just do not try every single... They don't try night in and night out. And Carmelo Anthony's one of those guys. I think New York's franchise is a mess. I think this roster is incredibly overrated in terms of the public media and ESPN and all those guys who think they know something and obviously don't rating this team as a playoff team. I think that's absurd. I absolutely agree with you, Chris. I'd bet the under they're probably going to win about 35 games. Damn. No, tell us how you really feel (laughs) on behalf of all my New York fans. I have to apologize (laughs) for Noah's takes, but no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, other than everything you said is golden except mellow. Melo's my guy. I think Melo's a good dude. I think Melo's un. I think he's. I think his uh, his reputation is unfair. But I mean, his the the aspect of not winning is totally fair. He hasn't won, but I think the unselfishness is totally unfair. Melo's my guy. I'm sticking with them. We're moving on. Toronto, or we'll go to Boston, who got second in the division last year. So the Boston Celtics. Now they're over under is 52 and a half now Noah this team added Al Horford which is a which was we both agreed was a very nice addition and very needed in terms of their lack of front court depth and uh just talent in the front court uh but 52 and a half Noah how do you how do you feel about that you taking the over or the under every year since LeBron James has started being the best player in basketball there's always been an Eastern Conference team that's just incredible in the regular season, sometimes actually gets the one seed while LeBron's team gets the two seed, and then gets squashed by LeBron in the playoffs. My gut feeling this year tells me the Celtics are that team. I am betting the over, Chris. I think this team will win about 56 to 57 games. I think they're going to be a terrific regular season team. I love their pieces. I love the addition of Al Horford. This team got better, not worse. The people saying that they should have kept Evan Turner and that they're going to hurt from losing him are absolutely wrong. I think Turner was the definition of a ball hog and just did not fit this style of offense that they like to run, which is space it out, running gun, free flow and passing a lot. He didn't fit that. I'm happy he's gone. I like having the veteran presence and and natural born leader and Al Horford in the locker room. I'm not telling you that this team is going to win the title. I'm not telling you that this team is going to get past LeBron in the playoffs, but I'm going to tell you that they will be the Atlanta Hawks of 2014. They'll be the Toronto Raptors of 2015 where they win a lot of games, potentially get the one seed. I could see this team getting the one seed. That's how I am on them. But when it comes time for the playoffs and the Cavs buckle down and so does LeBron, They'll just become a punching bag for them. But I will bet the over. I'm taking the over, but slightly because of all the reasons you stated. And yes, I totally see them. Um, and, and I'll save that for the Cavs. Why? I totally see them having a better record than Cavs. I won't put money on it, but but I would. Uh, I, I could totally see it being reasonable and ha- actually happening. But yeah, I, I just my biggest thing last year was they don't have a good quality big man. I'm not high on a Olenek. I'm not high on Amir Johnson. Like you just those are nice players, but you need something better. And they got something much much better in Al Horford. That Al Horford Isaiah Thomas pick and roll is going to be very fun because they can do pick and roll, pick and pop with Horford. He can do either. Uh, and Brad Stevens just seems to get the most out of his guys. Now, I will say they won, what, was it 46 or 48 last 48. year? I believe 40, 48. 48. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So I believe that they did kind of overachieve last year in 48. I think they were more of 43-45 win team last year. But even then, adding Al Horford can easily add at least five to seven wins on top of that, and on new, top of what they did last year. And another year of experience for these young players. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so I'm with them. I'm with the Celtics on the over. I'm very high on them. I think they'll finish above Toronto. Ooh, let's just jump into Toronto. So Toronto's at 50 and a half. Now Toronto, are you, are you, they they kept DeMar DeRozan, they locked in DeMar DeRozan, they added Jaron Solinger. How are you feeling about this team? Uh, are you taking the over or the under on Toronto? Ooh, very, very tough. Because it's hard to argue they got worse. But it's also very easy to argue that they overachieved last year. And it's super, super difficult to repeat what they did last year, which is have the best season in franchise history. To do that again is going to be nearly impossible. But they don't have to do that again to get their over-under. Or to, to get their over on their over-under. Which is why I'm going to bet the over, but very slightly. I'm going to say, what was it? You said 50 and a half, was it? Yes, 50 and a half. I, I think this team wins 51 to 52 games. I'm with you. I, I think 52 kind of sticks out as a number for me. Um, again, yeah, you, you make a very good point. It, and it was a uh, shout out to the Eyes on Basketball podcast because that's where I heard that thought to originally by, I believe it was Matt Moore who was on it. Uh, and he just said he said exactly what you said, which is it's very hard to duplicate a franchise best season, and it's just the expectations are very high, and it's just there's a lot of emotional aspect that goes into achieving that. So I do think, and now that they finally got the whole home court or the whole win in the playoffs thing off their back, I think that they, uh, I think that that will help them in terms of their mentality, and they'll be able to kind of have a methodical approach to the regular season which which I think will knock down for that and the fact of the mm. of just overachieving last year I think I think a 52 win uh I think a 52 win season for Toronto is is very likely and I'll take Boston as a slight uh as a slight over for the top of the conference all right all right so let's get into central now Noah you and I know that this is probably our most favorite division but we got to we gotta we gotta keep the talking points fair. We gotta keep it short because uh, we can do a whole other podcast on on this division. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's start with last year, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, I mean, everybody's excited about Greek Freak. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, Milwaukee playoffs. I mean, I don't know where it came from. I like the Greek Freak, but I don't know about all that. And then they and then they got that devastating blow of Chris Middleton's injury. Uh, Noah. How are you feeling with their over-under? Hold on. Give me one second to pull it up. I'm sorry. Uh, the over-under for Milwaukee is uh, is 34 and a half. How are you feeling on that over-under? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling over. I'm not feeling playoffs, but, man, they win wow. 35 games and I get my money. This is a 100% 35-win team. Let's just look at the teams last year that won 35 games. The Magic? The Nuggets? I mean, those are teams... Sorry, the Nuggets were 33 wins. But still, I, I, I think the Bucks are as good as the Magic were last year. I think even without Chris Middleton, this roster is pretty loaded. They're young, but they're pretty loaded. I think the Greek Freak will be great at point guard. I think Jabari Parker will be great in his third-slash-second NBA season, whatever you want to call it, because he missed this rookie season. And I'm not sure where Greg Monroe fits into the equation, but they're besides Monroe, they're very young. They're very lengthy. They have, at times have caused a lot of trouble for teams on the defensive end. I think this will be a big bounce back year for them. I think they'll barely miss the playoffs at about 38 wins. Wow. Okay, so I'm taking 35. I just feel like they're just an average team in the East. I don't feel like they're anything special. I'm not – I've just – even from day one, I've never been high on them. I actually did a Central Division podcast myself earlier in the season, and I ranked them uh, – or earlier in the offseason, rather – and I've ranked them as the lowest, who I think is ultimately going to be the lowest in the division. I just don't, and that was before Middleton's injury. I just, I've, I've, I'm clearly on the record as not being optimistic when it comes to Milwaukee. Uh, in part, in part because of my spite towards Matthew Delvadova. In part, just because I just, I don't see the shooting necessary. Uh, but I do like Greek Freak a lot. Ready so. for a major hot take? Yeah, major hot take. So I'm saying the Bucks get 38, 39 wins. I don't think they're the worst team in the division. 
I will say that it's not that hot to me just because of another team who we'll get into next. I'm hoping we're thinking the same team. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping we're thinking the same team. All right, so let, let's get into it. Let's see if uh, – all right, ready? So three, two, one, Chicago Bulls. All right, absolutely. I think this team is okay. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Jeez, no, I wonder if you're going to take the over-under on this one. Uh, the over under for you gamblers out there, and you you're a real gambler if you take the over on this Chicago Bulls team. In my opinion, right? I mean, thirty eight and a half. Oh, that seems astronomically high. I am so off the Bulls bandwagon. I mean, I never was on it, but I'm I couldn't be farther from being on the Bulls bandwagon. This team has thirty three to thirty five wins written all over it, and I could see this becoming a complete disaster where they don't even get 30 wins. First of all, let's just talk about how poorly constructed this roster is. Your backcourt is Rajon Rondo, who can't shoot. Jimmy Butler, who is, who's great. Dwayne Wade, who can't shoot a three and is a bazillion years old and is a liability on defense now and is probably not going to play all the games and, put, and not play as hard as for most of them. And Rondo doesn't play defense. Rondo doesn't play defense. Their front court's abysmal. They're probably starting Taj Gibson. Robin Lopez is a, is their center. They'll be lucky to get 20 games out of him. Their coach is, in my opinion, the worst coach in the league. The worst coach in the league. I really believe that. Fred Hoiberg, you heard it here first, is the worst coach in the league. You know, Chris, I, I'm living in the Chicago area right now, but I'm not a Bulls fan, obviously. So I, I, I talk about this team a lot. I, I go to their games occasionally, especially when the Pistons are in town. I have never seen a more incompetent basketball coach in my life. This guy was lucky that he was even employed at the college level because from my understanding, he barely had any success with a major program in college. Choked every year he went to the tournament. Has no idea what he's doing on the defensive end. This is the same ro- that last year's roster was basically identical to the years before and the defense dropped off so much under uh the you know with the coaching change between Thibodeau and Hoiberg it was laughable and offensively and substitution wise is where he was the worst in that four overtime Pistons game that I was at an ultimate thriller one for the ages last year where the Pistons won in four OTs he made countless mistakes and I I have to say probably cost his own team the game with with a roster that's probably going to blow up with no outside shooting with lack of defense and a horrible head coach I think this team is one of the most overrated teams in the NBA by far. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I co-sign everything. I don't know about the worst coach. I'd have name to, me one I'd worse. To, name me one worse. I'd have to really think about it. Honestly, I would have to think about it uh, because there are some new coaches who you just don't know. Like this is their first gig. Like Kenny and uh, and Atkinson. I believe I'm saying it right. I think it's Atkinson. I hope, Atkinson. I believe that's right. Um. And uh, who's that other guy? Oh, Fisdale and, and Memphis. Fisdale's um, good. Look, but here's the thing. Atkinson and Fisdale have major NBA experience working with terrific coaching staffs on winning teams. Hoiberg comes from Iowa State. No NBA coaching experience. So I think I I can make a case that he's for sure the worst coach in the league. Uh, well, you got to wait and see because, I mean, you never know how good a coach is until they're in that position. But – I'm not defending Fred Hoiberg by any means. I think he's awful. And I think the one thing you didn't bring up that I was surprised you did is that the players practically formed a mutiny against him last yes, year. forgot about that. So, I mean, I mean, Jimmy Butler is telling him, oh, he's not coaching us hard enough and all of these things uh, in the middle of the season. I mean, this is actually in the beginning. There was one report in, like, December and he's already calling out his coach, and that was not even three months in. And now Rondo's and, on the team. <laughs> yeah, and now Rondo's on the team. So, uh, And Dwayne Wade, who at this point doesn't care, he says it's bigger than basketball, like LeBron going to Cleveland. He says it's bigger than basketball, and he says playoff or uh, championship isn't realistic. And all of these things are pessimistic coming out of Dwayne Wade's mouth. Uh, so I think, the, I think the under is very safe. I think 30 to... I, I would take them for 30 to 33 wins. I'm just very low on them. But ultimately, the only thing keeping me up there is that respect for Jim, for Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade. That's the only thing keeping me up there. And the one thing you didn't mention, another thing you me- didn't mention that really surprised me is that 
they doubled down on the no shooting clause. They got Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> yeah, I was texting my friend who's a big Bulls fan, and he goes, he just he texts me first. He goes, I like the MCW trade. I said, well, why in the world do you need another backup point guard? He goes, good point. Like this MCW, like he cannot play any other position because he can't shoot. Like, oh, he's six five. Well, you know what? He can't play shooting guard because he can't shoot. You already have Rondo. You already have Dinwiddie and Jerry and Grant. I mean, why add a fourth no-shooting point guard on your team? It's really ridiculous and mind-boggling. And give up one of your only good shooting wins. Yeah, yeah, Tony Snell, my man. I, I actually like the guy. I think I he has too. a lot of upside. I, I really think he has a lot of upside. Still very, very young. I think that was a terrific trade for the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was something I forgot to mention in the Bucks trade that I did like that as a kind of sort of replacement for uh, – Chris Middleton after losing Mike after uh after getting Mike Beasley who has so far hasn't quite looked like a great fit in Milwaukee, um, but anyways, so we got the Bucks and the Bulls out of the way. We're both uh we both have we we both are on board that the Bulls are just a train wreck. Avoid them at all costs. I mean they are they might be okay. No, this is kind of an off topic question, but who do you think is going to be more of a media train wreck this year? Chicago or New York? I think it has to be New York because Derrick Rose is the biggest idiot on the planet. I mean, you're seeing already what he's saying about this uh, rape trial and the comments he made about practicing in prison, which was so out of the box weird, and many people interpreted it as him like admitting to a rape. Whatever. I'm not speculating. I don't want to get into well, that he stuff. Well, did, he did. Hold on. Before you go any further, there was a report today that he was cleared of all yes, charges. I was just going to say, cleared right. of all okay. charges. Yeah. That's not why I'm saying it's going to be a more media mess because this guy's just an idiot. He says crazy things. I mean, I think it was last season. He he this, he's coming off of two straight years where he barely played any games, and he was whining about getting a max contract during media day. I mean, this guy is just the definition of an idiot. And I think just because of that, they're going to be more of a media train wreck. And mix it all together, it's New York City. I know Chicago's a big city, but New York City is the mecca. Is the biggest city. It's you know celeb town in in New York. The spotlight will be on those players, and Derrick Rose will have more opportunities to make a fool out of himself. I'm surprised there was two quotes you didn't bring up. One that two years ago or a year ago he said he was better than LeBron James, and <laughs> uh, uh, and this year he said that uh, everybody is looking at quote quote everybody is looking at Golden State and New York as the super team. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, look, I remember the first one. I didn't remember the second one, though. I can't believe he said that. Yeah, he said it, and that was the first day, the first, like, within the first week he was traded, that everybody in the NBA is looking at us and Golden State as the two super That, that teams. makes me want them, like, to win 20 games this year. Like, I don't even want them to get 30 now. I think they need to win 20 games. <laughs> All right, well... All right, now that we're done talking about the super teams, uh, let's get into let's get into the let's get into the Detroit Pistons. Now, the Detroit Pistons finished third last year in the division. Uh, they won forty four games and had a very very successful season. But however, Reggie Jackson will be out for six to eight weeks. There, his diagnosis should take him to about the middle to end of November, if not early December worst case scenario in terms of his injury that is a huge injury and vegas still only knocked them down to 44 and a half yeah. yeah they were 46 and a half and they're now 44 and a half now noah i'm almost positive we're going to disagree so go ahead and yes. give me your over on i'm about 100 sure we're going to disagree here i i think they're go- i think they're over i think they're going to probably win about 46 games Yes, the Reggie Jackson injury sucks, but before that was announced, I had this team winning 50. I really had them winning 50. I'm super high on them. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm a fan of them, but it also has to do with the fact that they have the best center in the NBA, Andre Drummond, on their team. It has to do with the fact that they have one of the best coaches, Stan Van Gundy, manning the shit. It has to do with the fact that they improved their three-point shooting. They got depth at the backup point guard position. KCP's another year older. Marcus Morris, another year older with the team. Because they, remember, last year was his first year with the team. So now he's been with them. And the camaraderie is there. I love what they did in the offseason. Tobias. I, Tobias Harris. Hard to forget about him, too. 
I said at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about the Southeast that I think Washington gets the 8th, Charlotte gets the 7th. I'm putting in the Detroit Pistons at the 6th seed with 46 wins. Okay. Now, here's my reason why. I'm not going to say that the Pistons will – there's no way they get the over on this. And they, I, they could even, depending on how long Reggie Jackson missed, still get 50 games. But to me, I know you're following this team. I know you're seeing all the reports. To me, this is this is kind of a beyond basketball, beyond the numbers type pick. But I'm going with the under simply because it just seems like this is this is the New Orleans Pelicans of last year. Okay, so you're uh, you're gonna say because Aaron Baines and Tobias Harris fractured their noses and are going to be playing in the first regular season game that they're the New Orleans and, Pelicans. And Marcus Morris got knee tendonitis right after Reggie Jackson. But, I mean, that's a very like such minor... Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson hurt his foot. Yeah, but I know I know that none none of them outside Reggie Jackson is severe yet. I know that, but like all it, it just seems it just seems like. <laughs> It just seems like, though, that throughout this season, this is going to be that team that just gets hit with injuries all through the season. And I know that's not like that's not uh, that's not great basketball knowledge or insight or uh, you know analysis, but I just it it happens to it happens to a couple at least one to two teams every year, and I just I look at this and I'm saying, oh, okay, Baines broke his. Tobias broke his nose in the game. That that kind of happens from time to time, whatever. And then Baines just immediately breaks it the next day in practice. Like that just like to me, like the coincidence okay, of these bad, I get it. If you're a big believer in bad luck and you're superstitious, and I'm not faulting you if you are, like you have a major case to make for why this Pistons team is gonna suck this year. <laughs> like I'm being honest. But yeah, luckily like, I don't believe in that as much. Like I don't be- I wouldn't call myself superstitious, but I would call myself cautiously optimistic when it comes to my team which is Detroit uh but as far as far as this goes with the Pistons I just uh, I mean Reggie Jackson and then right after or even right before Marcus Morris was announced with knee tendonitis and then when there was some positive news about Reggie Stanley's foot got hurt it was only a scare everything's fine but you know it's just it just seems like that's the way it's shaking out like you know sometimes the higher powers that be, the basketball gods, just, you know, pick a team every year, and, you know, that's the team that just gets bitten by the injury. So it's no analysis, what's, it's no, like, smart analysis whatsoever on my part, but I just think that they're going to get the under because of injuries, and they're just going to bite the bug. And I think knee tendonitis, especially with Reggie Jackson being so vital to this team, I think that... Uh, I th- I th- I think knee tendonitis is is no joke of an injury. It's one that kind of lingers, and I would expect it to linger all season along with Reggie, whether that's fair or not. But uh, and that can cost you a game or two down the line, and that can be the difference. So I'm taking I'm taking an under, but I still think this is a 40 win team just because this team is just it's got so much talent, like you said, and they're so young that some of these players can really take another step and kind of help for the flaw the flaws and the and the injuries that may occur. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking. I'm, I'm I kind of did like an imaginary Eastern Conference playoff bracket in my head as we were going through this, and I realized how bad this conference actually is. Like, I mean, they have a lot of like average teams. Like, they're going to be really competitive, and wins are going to be hard to get because everyone's going to be beating each other. But at the end of the day, I had Chicago and New York both under, which means they won't make the playoffs, in my opinion. I might have to get put Milwaukee in the playoffs because I'm looking at my bracket and I got I have like a missing piece. I have Cleveland one, you know, Toronto, Boston. That's three. That's those three teams. Indiana's four, Detroit five, Charlotte and Washington six and seven. Who's that eighth team? I'm I'm like scrapped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's because you're not as high in Atlanta. I think Atlanta's probably a shoe in. Uh, I guess it but is. Yeah. I guess if I'm deciding between Atlanta and Milwaukee without Chris Middleton, I might. And I, I don't think I have to change my over-under prediction to say Atlanta just slides in the eighth seed and everyone yeah. gets bumped up one. Because, I mean, there could be a difference. There could be a huge difference between eight and seven or eight and six. You know what I mean? Like, it's not often that it's that it that we have what we had last year where it was three through six was a, just a complete tie at 48 wins. Like, that's just unreal. That stuff doesn't happen often. Uh, so, 
So I think you can see a little bit of a separation between the tiers of the playoffs. But uh, anyways, let's get into Indiana. So Indiana made a lot of renovations. They fired Frank Vogel and hired Nate McMullen. They added Al Jefferson, Thaddeus Young, Jeff Teague when they traded away George Hill. Noah, this team is, it, it seems like one of those teams that just like, if you're a casual fan, you're like, oh yeah, like I know that name, I know that name, I know that name. They have more recognizable names. They should be better. But I just not sure on the fit. Uh, now their over under is 44 and a half. Noah, are you going over or under on them? That's the thing. Like you don't have to be sure of the fit to bet the over. 45 wins for a Paul George team doesn't mean perfect fit. Has he really had a team in the last four years that's been a perfect fit? I mean, like, since that Eastern Conference Championship team, again, you know, when they would go, you know, when they had that rivalry with Miami, if you will, they've really never had a great team. And yet, year after year, when Paul George has been healthy, let's take last year, for example, puts a super, super mediocre team on his back and gets him to the playoffs and gets him about 46 wins, which is what he's going to do again this year. I think they're going to get more than 44 and a half wins. I'm pessimistic because here's the thing. If I was optimistic about this team and I thought that the pieces were going to all work together, I would say they could win 50 games because it's Paul George, man. I love Paul George. I'm never too tired of some Paul G PG-13. And I'm taking a look at their schedule, and holy crap, you could not have asked for an easier start to the schedule if you're Indiana. Um, if you want to pull it up, you can. I'll quickly read it off. Dallas, Brooklyn, Chicago, Lakers, Milwaukee, Chicago, Charlotte, Philly, Philly. Their first nine. The only loss I see on there is at Charlotte. I'm sure they'll probably drop another one just out of the blue. But still, they'll be they'll get off to a really good start, which will boost the team morale in the locker room, get everyone's confidence up, and I think from there it'll be smooth sailing to 46-47 wins for the Indiana Pacers. Okay. Now, I'm going under, and there's two reasons. One is... I don't like Nate McMullen over Frank Vogel. I've never been high as Nate as Nate McMillan as, as There's a coach. There's a guy that could potentially be worse than, than Fred Hoiberg. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, good point, good point. I like that. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, I'm not high on Nate McMillan. Uh, and the other reason is I just, quite frankly, I'm not as high on Paul George. He wow. is that's, that's what all, I'm really shocked all, at that. By all accounts, if you look at the stats and the efficiency – Paul George is a below average shooter when it comes to efficiency. He has always been a below average shooter when it comes to efficiency. So I get that Paul George is going to get you. Paul George will drag you to 38, 40 wins, even if you have a a very bad team. Uh, I'm, I'm with that. But I just, I don't know. They want to go fast, but they got Al Jefferson. They, they got Jeff Teague, who will help with fast. But the defense drop-off between Frank Vogel and an elite, elite defense, defensive coach. Now, going from going from that to Nate McMillan, who wants to just speed things up and play offense, I don't know. I'm not high on this team. I'm thinking I'm thinking they get 40 wins. I'm just, I don't like the fits. I don't know how Thaddeus Young fits in. And uh, Jeff Teague, to me, is a, is a clear downgrade from George Hill. Uh, in all in all ways, pretty much, other than other than speed, and that's the only that's the only category, and that seems to be all they care about. So I don't I don't know. I'm not high on the Pacers. I'm going under on the Pacers. I get it. In fi- from an efficiency standpoint, Paul George is nothing to write home about. But he's a tremendous leader. He's great on great on the defensive end. He can distribute the ball super. He you know what he's. He's very similar to LeBron in the sense that he can take over a game. Obviously, I'm not trying to say he's even close to LeBron's level, but there's just some guys where you don't even need stats to prove it. They can just put their team on their back and always have a chance to win a game. And that's the that's the big thing here. I feel like when you have Paul George or a guy similar to his caliber, you almost always have a pretty good chance to win every single game you play in this league. Almost always. I mean, like... Golden State at Indiana, Indiana's got a chance like in that game because they have Paul George and he can go off for 35 points and just be an absolute monster. And with his back against the wall last year, with the playoffs, you know, with the playoff hopes looming, where they need to go win six out of seven to get a seven seed and and play Toronto instead of Cleveland, 
what happens? They go, they win six out of the seven and break every Pistons fan's heart out there and cost us a chance at winning a first round matchup. Because I, let me tell you, Chris, last year when we were watching the Eastern Conference playoffs and we were watching the Pistons put, play some great basketball and just keep losing to Cleveland, and then we saw Indiana squeak out these horrible wins against Toronto and forcing a game seven. I don't know about you, but I was heartbroken and I was just wishing that Detroit was in that position and you got to give credit to Paul George where he put a mediocre team on his back and just led them to, I don't want to say complete success, but to a very high level in the NBA. Okay. I'm with you. And yeah, that I don't like that. You brought up that heartbreaking point, but I see where you're coming from. I just think that we have just different views on Paul George quite simply. Now the last, the last team of the Eastern conference, um, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, 56 and a half. Now, this one is tricky because this depends on how serious do you think they take the regular season, right? It absolutely does. And I've really been going back and forth with this one, but with eight days before the season starts, I believe, or six days before the season starts, this is when we're recording, obviously, I, I have made up my mind on where I am on this one. Care to share it? All right, here we go. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers will care a lot about the regular season. That doesn't mean they're going to win 66 games. Doesn't mean they'll maybe even win 60, but it, it will. they will have a very, very similar record to last year's 57 wins. I'm seeing 57-58. I think they're going to realize how good Boston is later in the season, and they know, those players know that home court matters. I'm sure they're confident they can win on the road in Boston, but Boston is one of the toughest places to play, and if the Celtics were to ever figure out a way to beat LeBron in the playoffs, step one would be to get home court advantage. That, that's step one. Like, you got to get it. And the Celtics are going to be going for it. And this Cavs team, man, even without LeBron, I'm starting to realize, even without LeBron, so like LeBron, let's say he takes a few games off, they can still beat some bottom-tier NBA teams. Like, we used to think, you take LeBron off the Cavs and they're a train wreck. They're like Philly. No, wrong. They're not They're not great. Like, I still think I'd be struggling to find a team without that team without LeBron to even get into the playoffs. That doesn't mean they can pounce on teams like Philly and Brooklyn and Denver and other bad teams in the West. So I think LeBron will take games off. He'll be smart about it and take them off in times where he knows his team can win. It won't take off a game against Boston or, or you know... Indiana, let's say. He'll take games off where he knows that his team still has a shot. And I think this roster is really, really good. I think they're they're super, super high on themselves in the locker room and confident. And they I look, you could argue that they already proved themselves last year, but that doesn't mean they're just not gonna try. That means they're probably even more excited to get back to playing competitive basketball. And just like uh, the mindset we that we saw them getting into the playoffs last year when they were just ready for the playoffs to start. I think they're just ready for basketball season to start again so they can just start kicking ass. I think they'll have a great start to the regular season. They'll start to tail off a little bit, but I'm still betting the over. I believe that the, you're understating the rest of this team. The, the rest of this, of this team is going to be very high. I think LeBron is, remember how a couple years ago he took that one-week or two-week sabbatical or whatever they call it, they ended up calling it? There are reports that LeBron, before preseason started, there are reports that LeBron is still exhausted from the finals. Still exhausted from the finals. He didn't look at the other night. Did you see that chase down block yet? <laughs> yeah, but even then, even then though, he still looked like that wasn't a, a, a LeBron, LeBron chase down block. Like, if we're really hyper-analyzing it. So to me, I'm I'm expecting there's going to be a point where LeBron shuts it down for at least two weeks. I I really think that's going to happen again. I think he's going to February, January. He's going to say, you know what, I'm just going to shut it down for a few weeks and just get myself ready for playoffs. Do what he needs to do. And Jr. Smith, Jr. Smith, you could he could be out clubbing for the entire season and then just show up in April when it matters. April, <laughs> May, and June. When it matters most, Kyrie, Kyrie, and Kevin Love will be the guys that are always there and doing their thing. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'm all jokes aside. I think, I, I think that LeBron's gonna rest a lot. And like you said, this isn't, this is, this is a 
questionable playoff team without LeBron. And so those games, I don't think LeBron's going to pick and choose his games. I think he's going to sometimes pick and choose his games. But I do think he will end up taking just a two-week stretch where he says, you know what, I just I need to rest. My body needs to prepare for the playoffs. And going against what will be arguably an even better Warriors team than last year, LeBron's definitely going to rest. He's definitely going to prepare. He's not looking at anything beyond that. He doesn't care about Boston. Boston can win 79 games this year, and LeBron's not afraid of Boston. LeBron is thinking about one team and one team only, and that's the Golden State Warriors. So he's going to rest. Okay, and like I said, I've been going back and forth with this one, so I'm I I don't know, and I think that's from a, a story that really nobody knows what's going to happen for this NBA season. Will the Cavs take the regular season seriously? I'm going yes. Chris is going no. Hard to say who's right until we see it happen. Yeah. All right. So we'll cut it off there with the Eastern Conference, just in case we split it into two podcasts. Noah, go ahead and tell them where you're at and plug all your stuff, just in case I decide to separate the podcast. Okay, yeah, I'm going to make it really quick. So yeah. you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Lofman, N-O-A-H-L-O-F-M-A-N. You can um, listen to my podcasts on Podbean. Uh, if you just search Noah Lofman on Podbean or you can follow me on Twitter, I tweet out all my podcasts. And also follow at Palace of Pistons where you want, if you want you know, the most updated Pistons news and coverage and Pistons podcasts and great opinion articles, follow that. Twitter account and go on palsofpistons.com to check out our cool contact uh, content. That's all I have to say right now. Alright, yeah, and you guys know where you guys can find me. That's uh, crispy1132. That's my Twitter handle. C-H-R-I-S-P-Y-1132. As previously mentioned, I do both hip-hop and NBA podcasts, and I hope to do weekly ones of each, so to keep you guys updated on everything that's happening in both areas uh you can find that on itunes or podbean by just searching chris platty that's uh p-l-a-t-t-e that's how you spell the last name platty uh, uh check out all my stuff there i tweet it all though twitter and snapchat is my main uh source of promotion so check my twitter handle and snapchat handle which is at crispy 1132 that's c-h-r-i-s-p-y-1132 noah thanks for coming on and we'll be back with western conference predictions Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.